We're going to start a little different than we normally do, just because I want to. And I have a microphone, so that means I can. Uh, this morning, I began my day in my office uh, just hanging out with God a little bit. It was my favorite time of the day. And a lot of crazy junk happened after that moment. That, uh, that moment. Um, I just had one of those stressful days, you know. Uh, some of y'all told me about teachers messing, math teachers messing with you and not answering questions. And other people are telling about exams coming up. And I just know there's a lot on you. Um, I know our baseball guys are about to head into playoffs. And um, you just got a lot going on. So here's, here's what I want you to do. Uh, I want you to just put everything down, like your phone and your pen and whatever. Just put everything, just put everything on the ground just for a second. If somebody's touching you, then just scoot like half an inch away from them so they'll stop touching you. Um, and I, I just want you to have just 60 seconds with God, just, just you and God, just to talk. So, um, I'm going to stop talking and you just close your head, <laughs> close your head. <laughs> That's not it. Uh, close your eyes, just bow your head just for a minute and we'll give you 60 seconds to talk with God. Father, um, I'm so thankful for this time to get to be together with students, to look at your word and um, just hear from you. I'm so thankful for our band leading us in worship uh, this week and every other week. and um, just so blessed by them. Uh, God, as we, as we look at the resurrection tonight, I pray that you, would, um, that you would help us to see it through a new lens, that you would make it real for us, that it wouldn't be a story, it wouldn't be uh, something we've heard about, but something that God that we've have a firsthand interaction with. Make the resurrection real for us. In your son's name, I pray. Amen. So uh, today uh, we're we're getting ready for Easter. Easter Sunday, right? And Easter is a celebration of of the resurrection. This is when the entire church, all over the world celebrates the fact that uh, we don't have a God who is dead, but one that on the third day rose from the grave, um, proving that he was more than just some crazy guy who could do some cool magic tricks. The resurrection is, um, the resurrection is very interesting in our faith because there's a lot of different components to what we believe. There's, there's components about um, the way Christ was born, there's components about prophecy that foretold the coming of Christ. There's, uh, there's just a lot, right? But all of the things that we believe um, really come down to this one central thing. I like to call it the linchpin. All right? A linchpin is uh, like a, a pin or a bolt or something like this that holds a bunch of other pieces together. 
So on something like this, you've got a bunch of awkward-looking things until you have a bolt or a linchpin. And then you have a seesaw, a really uncomfortable seesaw. (laughs) Josh Beck made this for me today. He's super talented. He's not in the room. But if you see Josh, you should tell him that you you tried to ride his seesaw. It didn't work out real well, but that you appreciate him uh, making you the world's skinniest seesaw. yeah, so, so without, without our linchpin, this whole thing just falls apart, right? That's not a seesaw. And without, without this linchpin, this is just a bunch of weird, odd-shaped parts. But when this gets put in place, everything holds together, and it works. Movement happens. Things make sense. If your youth minister can do this. Any minute. Wait for it. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah. It works. Our faith only works when the linchpin's in place. The resurrection is the linchpin of our faith. And if, if, we, if we do not have a clear understanding of the resurrection and what it was for, why it matters, then our faith is just a bunch of disconnected parts. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you've got your Bible, I want you to turn there with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 14. You got it? 1 Corinthians 15, 14. And following. It says this. It says, If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. And your faith is in vain. Did you hear that? If Christ has not been raised, if the resurrection did not happen, then your faith is in vain. The faith that you've placed in Christ is completely useless. If Christ is not raised from the dead, then what you believe about Jesus is a lie. 15, it goes on, it says, We're even found to be misrepresenting God because we are testifying that God, about God, that he raised Christ, whom he didn't raise, if it's true that the dead aren't raised. Did you get that? And 16, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep or who have died in Christ, they've perished forever. They don't have an eternal hope. And if, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. If the resurrection, if that, if that linchpin isn't there, If the resurrection is not true, then we are of all people most to be pitied because we've placed our faith in a lie. If it didn't happen, Jesus was a liar. If it didn't happen, then the promise of a Savior wasn't fulfilled. If it didn't happen, then Jesus was just a guy who told a lot of stories and did some cool magic tricks and then uh, got punished for it and killed and put in a hole and he stayed there. Then my sins aren't forgiven. Then I have no eternal hope. I've got nothing without that linchpin. Everything falls apart. Easter is a celebration of the central moment of all of history, the preeminent, preeminent, most important moment of all of time. The thing that matters most to the church and to me and to you, that should matter to you is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if that didn't happen, our faith is futile and we're still in our sins. You do not have a savior apart from the resurrection. I remember uh, very clearly, um, 
Uh, being in the, the not-so-unique-but-terrifying situation of being in an elementary school bathroom, um, not for the normal reason you're in a bathroom, um, but because I was, I think I was like in second grade, and one of my teeth had been wiggling a lot, like a lot, and finally I just got tired of it, and whatever I was doing in school was not as exciting. So um, I, I, I went in the bathroom and uh, fiddled with my tooth a lot until it was bleeding profusely all over everything and everyone and the sink, and it was just nasty. And finally I got it out, right? Woo! Got my tooth out. There's blood everywhere. I'm in second grade. I don't know what to do with that. I'm out, right? You just leave the blood. It's all everywhere. And you go back to your teacher and they're like, <laughs> look what I got. And she's like, you're disgusting. I mean, teachers are like, they're just normal human beings, right? When you get older, you realize that teachers are not these magical, you know, fairies or something. And, and they, uh, they get grossed out like anyone else. And I bring them a part of my body that I'm holding in my hand and that is nasty. So my teacher, I remember her getting me a little baggie, a little sandwich bag, like from her sandwich for lunch. She took her sandwich out. She gave me her sandwich bag. She put my body part inside of the sandwich bag and zip tied it shut. Handed it back to me. Keep your body part, kid. Great. So I get home with my bloody body part and I uh, tell my mom, hey, guess what? I lost this. You know what that means? That's what, yep. Tooth fairy time, baby. I'm getting paid, all right? Tooth fairy gonna make it rain. It's gonna be awesome. So I, I get really excited. And I remember uh, that night I, 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 got, I got in bed and my mom knew about my tooth. It was gonna be cool. And um, this is, uh, if you're in the room, just pause. Podcast. Um, if you're under 12 years old and you're listening to this, you should stop. Great. Okay, we'll continue on. Uh, so yeah, put my tooth, not in the baggie, cleaned off, washed it in the sink. Put my tooth under the, the pillow, right under there. Right there, where I, where I know what's going on. And I, this has happened several times at this point, and, and I, I'm, I'm getting pretty excited with this tooth fairy situation. So I decided I needed to meet her. So, um, so hours pass, and I'm sitting there wide awake, super excited about getting to meet the fairy that comes in my room and like gives me stuff. So uh, I'm, I'm chilling, but I know that I'm not supposed to be awake. My mom tells me, very, you got to sleep at night, or you're going to be very tired for school the next morning. So I'm wide awake, super pumped, like cheesing in my bed in the dark pitch black tooth and uh and my door cracks and i'm like ah junk it's mom and i just shut my eyes you know you know you like do one of those and so that mom thinks you're asleep and uh so i'm i'm staying really really still i'm breathing real slow real slow breathing so it's not you know awkward um and uh and so mom comes over and i feel like messing with my pillow or something i think she's like i don't i don't really know what's going on but then i have like a thought i'm like wait wait a minute what are you you're stealing my tooth you're stealing it that needs to stay there you're a bad person. I do not trust you, mother. So mom, mom's messing with my pillow, and I stay really still because I want to get in trouble, and my mom leaves. So I, and when mom leaves, and the door clicks shut, and then I've reached my hand back to see if my, 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 my uh, tooth, that's what it's called, right? My tooth is still under my pillow, and there's not, there's a dollar. I might have cried a little bit. Or a lot of bit. Because in that moment, man, like something I'd placed my faith and my trust in was just like, that is a lie. That is a lie. And you lied to me. And my mom is a liar. And you're horrible people. Who does that to their kids, man? I'm a kid. Don't lie to me like that. And then, then like later on, you're like, wait a minute. Why is there a bunny at Easter? And where did that bunny get eggs? Bunnies don't have eggs. There's no eggs in bunnies. Bunnies don't lay eggs. They lay bunnies. Why does that bunny have eggs? Mom, is this another one of these things? Mom? And your mom's like, yeah, I'm tired of making Easter baskets. It's totally one of those things, bro. That's a lie. I'm out. 
There is no such bunny. Life, human, like gargantuan bunny running around with baskets for children. No, that's dumb. No, bunnies don't have eggs, sweetie. You're very smart. Then there comes the big one, right? Wait a minute. If the big guy's not real, I'm going to burn this house to the ground. I remember sitting in the passenger seat of my parents' Grand Cherokee. I, I was sitting in the passenger seat. My dad is driving. We were going to Sam's. You only remember stuff this vividly that's horribly traumatic, like being covered in burns or something. And vivid, like sunny day, Grand Cherokee. Dad's driving. Mom is in the rear driver area. My grandmother's there. She's behind me. We, I, she's, she's here, right? It's going to be a great family moment. And in my little head, the wheels are spinning, Right, the wheels are spinning. Mom's stolen my tooth, replaced it with a dollar. She's a liar. They've they've blown up the Easter basket situation. I'm like, <clears throat> guys, it wasn't that deep. <laughs> guys, I don't know. <laughs> guys, listen, I need you to be real honest with me. Is Santa real? <laughs> Cargo's silent. Radio's turned off. Dead silent going to Sam's Club, going to go buy some toilet paper in bulk, right? <laughs> my mom from the back seat puts her hand on my shoulder like my grandmother's died or something in the back seat. <laughs> puts her hand on the shoulder and she goes, no, baby. <laughs> and at that point, you're no longer a child because your entire childhood's over. It's like, this is dumb. I'm an adult now. Give me a suitcase. I'll go to work. Whatever. This is stupid. <laughs> Stupid, have no dreams anymore. And then at some point, at some point, you, you like get into like middle school or high school or something, and then you've, you've, you know, you've, you've, you've thrown out all the fairy tales. You've got all the fairy tales figured out. And then at some point, you're sitting in your house, and, and you remember that I told you to do a quiet time, and you're reading through your Bible, and you're, you're reading an account of, like, of, of the resurrection. And in all four of the Gospels, it's there, and, and you're doing the one-year Bible, and we're finishing up Luke, and you've, you've hit it three times now, that, that a man lived on the earth was tortured, hung on a cross where he bled out, was taken down, put inside a cave with a giant rock and a Roman guard, like a little quadrant of Roman guard people with spears or something, and and he's dead in a hole. And then your Bible tells you that after three days of decomposition, the stone moves, And Jesus Christ walks out of that tomb and starts hanging out with people. Like making breakfast for some guys next to us. Like that's it. Jesus is like chilling, making bacon next to a seat. Like, like nothing happened. Not like nothing happened, but like he conquered the world, but still. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. Tooth fairy. That's a lie. That couldn't have happened. Uh, Easter Bunny's just a dumb idea. Whoever came up with that like, was high. Um, and then Santa betrayed me. This sounds pretty unbelievable. And that linchpin starts to shake and, and the thing that holds your faith together starts to quiver a little bit. And for some people, it's just that simple. I think about it one afternoon and just decide that that that's probably not real. And then that's just your decision. They don't look into scripture. They don't study it. They don't really ask anybody about it. They really have no basis on making that decision. Mom didn't come in and steal the tooth. You just decide. This is stupid. By the authority of God's word, I'm here to tell you tonight that the resurrection is trustworthy. 
that's historically accurate, that it happened. This isn't Santa, this isn't the tooth fairy. The God of the universe who can speak worlds into existence by the very tone of his voice has the power to raise from the dead. And he did. So what we're going to look at tonight is, is, first, is this, we're going to base out of 1 Corinthians 15. We're also going to look at some other stuff that hopefully will um, encourage you and give you some foundation to stand on so that you're not just believing a part of God's word without knowing all of God's word. I want you to see the trajectory of, of what happened after this resurrection because for me, it's some of the most convincing proof of the validity of my faith. Some of the stuff that we're going to look at. So if you've got a Bible, we're going to flip around a little bit. We're going to do spend some time in Acts. So put a finger over there, and we're going to maybe do some stuff in Romans. We'll see how much time we've got. All right? Cool. So the resurrection is our linchpin, and we're going to look for some evidence for or some foundation that you can trust the resurrection. So just for free, man, if, if, you're, if you're a Christian in the room, I want you to be encouraged tonight. I want you to walk out of here pumped and ready for Easter, knowing that your God walked out of that grave. I want you to be able to celebrate that with your whole heart on Sunday and like right now, but also on Easter. If you're not a Christian in the room, I just want you to get to hear what it is we believe and that what we believe is not based on fantasy. It's not based on just a whim or just something fun that we've thought up, that it's based on things that are trustworthy that we're going to see in scripture. So if you're not a believer in the room, that's cool, man. But I want you to, I want you to approach this with an open heart and an open mind. That's all I'm going to ask from you. Okay, cool. Okay, so first, we're going to look at some, some proof stuff that, uh, that matters a lot to me. Okay, we're going to base it first on, um, we're going to talk about empty tomb stuff, and then we're going to talk about life change. All right, so in all four Gospels, if you're, if you're taking notes, in all four Gospels, in Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 28, in Mark chapter 16, in Luke chapter 24, in John chapter 20, the resurrection is recorded. You've got four different perspectives of the resurrection and the way it went down. And each one's a little bit different because there's a different writer who experienced it a different way and they wrote their, their account of it. If you're having trouble questioning the resurrection, then you probably need to know how it went down. So Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, John 20, and it kind of rolls over into John 21. There's four different accounts from four different eyewitnesses of an empty tomb. An empty tomb and an explanation of, hey, this is what went down. This is how this happened. This is how the Roman officials tried to Cover that up, and this is how this, this sequence of events happened. Guys, listen, it, it is not um, up for debate. Like his, it, Historians don't debate the life of Jesus, whether Jesus actually exists. No one debates that. That's just a, that's an obvious fact. No one questions whether Jesus actually walked on the earth. Everyone, Christian or not, who studies things, like they just, that's just historically verifiable. That's easy. What's more difficult is whether he actually rose from the grave. So an empty tomb, and you got four accounts of it. So if you're not a believer in the room, you're saying, man, that's great. I'm glad that your book says that your God left the tomb and he rose from the grave. But I could have written that story too. And that's, that doesn't seem, doesn't seem like a super huge proof to you. I get that. And it's not to me either. If that was, if that was all it was and there was, a, there was a story, then I'd be harder to trust. What happens after the resurrection is bigger for me. 
Because I know how I, I know how I live, right? And, and I know that sometimes I get scared and sometimes I act in ways I don't want to act. And I know that it's very, very hard for me to change. I'm not a super merciful person, right? I'm just not. I'm, I'm not like warm and cuddly and like, that's not really who I am. I, I try to be warm and cuddly, but I'm just, I'm not the warmest and cuddliest person. I've been, um, we, the whole staff did personality profiles this, this past uh, week where we had to answer all these questions and it pops out this 20 page document, like oddly accurately defining who you are. Mine makes me sound like a huge jerk. I'm like reading it. I'm like, I don't like him. And, but so, and I, I've kind of always been like that. There's just some personality traits that have always sort of been the way I am. I know that for me, it's very difficult for me to change, change radically unless something radical happens. Fair? It's very difficult for us to change unless something crazy, crazy happens. It only happens a couple of times in your life, maybe. So in, this, in, in the, the story of the resurrection, leading up to it, you've got the, the 13, the, the, well, the 12 guys, and then Paul, he's kind of weird, but we'll get to him in a minute. So you've got the, the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples, the guys that are following Jesus around for three years. And one of them betrays Jesus. That's Judas, right? And he's out. And the other 11, when, when Judas brings the, the army guys to come arrest Jesus, they flee, right? They just, they, they bolt. They, they just tuck and run. They're all, they scatter. They're all gone. No one stays with him. They've followed him for three years. They've seen him do a lot of crazy things. They've seen him feed thousands upon thousands of people out of nothing. They've seen him touch people and heal them. They've seen the dude walk on water. One of them got out of the boat. Peter got out of the boat and walked with him on the water for a little bit. They've seen some insane stuff, but it wasn't enough to change their heart enough for them to stay with him. And they ran. If you or I were there too, man, I'm pretty confident that none of us would have had any more guts than those guys. They ran. They didn't, trust, they didn't trust what they claimed to believe about him enough to act on it. They had claimed that they thought that he was the Messiah, or at least some of them had. And it, they had a hint of who he was, but it wasn't enough to put their faith in. They didn't act in faith that night. They acted in fear. Jesus was arrested, was alone, was beaten, uh, mocked, put on trial, condemned to die, taken up to a hill called Golgotha um, where he was crucified on a tree. And he bled and he died. He was taken down. In the meantime, most of his followers were in hiding. A couple kind of came and skirted him. They, were, they didn't like really get in there, but they were kind of nearby trying to keep an eye on things. And Peter, the one who had walked on water, was one of those. And you remember that, that he was kind of outside as, as Jesus was going through all this thing. And, and, and three times he was asked if he, if he knew Jesus. It's like, hey, aren't you, aren't you with that guy that's on trial? And three times Peter's like, no, dude, I don't, I don't know him. That ain't me. Three times Peter wasn't willing just to own up, not to, like, not to the government, not to the Romans or anybody, just some, some, like it was a girl next to a fire. He wasn't willing to own up to even knowing Jesus. He was scared. He was a coward. What he believed about Jesus wasn't enough for him to act on it. He didn't have enough faith to act on it. That was the characteristics of these guys. They ran, they hid, they denied. They did not act in a way that really seemed like they trusted who Jesus was. And Jesus died, he was put in a tomb, and then three days later, they're hiding, like a bunch of sissies, in an upper room that was locked. 
They weren't out proclaiming who Jesus was. They weren't out um, doing anything. They were hiding until Jesus shows up. He starts appearing to people. He starts appearing to them. He starts popping up all over town. Different accounts talk about how Jesus appeared to the 12, some of the other followers, and up to 500 other people over a period of days after his resurrection. Throughout Scripture, it talks about, um, especially in Acts, it talks about the, the accounts of those 500, those people. That it's, it's, like, it's, just, it's just common knowledge. Listen to what happens to Peter. This is the guy that sissied out, denied Jesus three times, uh, ran and hid and hid in an upper room. Cool? Not a, not a bold kind of person. Acts chapter 2, flip over there. Acts chapter 2, verse 32. This is the day of Pentecost. Resurrection's happened. The day of Pentecost comes where the Holy Spirit comes down and, um, and rests on the apostles. And, uh, and Peter gets up. Peter doesn't run. Peter's not afraid anymore. Peter stands up before thousands of people, any of whom could have had him beaten or killed or arrested or whatever right then and there. And he, he stood up and he told them that they, that they had killed the very Son of God. And then 2.32 says, this, this Jesus God raised up. And of this we are all witnesses. He's standing with all the apostles and he's like, so... You, you tortured him, you killed him, that was the son of God. But, but this Jesus, God raised him up and all of us have seen it. We've all seen it. You can't argue with us about whether it's real or not because we've, we've seen him. We've been hanging out. It's been a little crazy, but I'm not scared anymore. And then you, you flip over, uh, 315, flip the page, you know, Acts chapter 3, verse 15. Peter again. This time he's in, uh, he's kind of the temple, it's just Solomon's pollinate thing. Anyway, Peter again, he's talking to a different group of people. He says, and you kill the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. In 410, Peter again, Peter now arrested, tells the council, you killed him. God raised him up. And it's in verse 12. And in, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Then in, in chapter 10, verse 39 through 41, Peter again, and we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all, not to all people, but to those of us who have been chosen by God as witnesses. Witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Peter changed. The apostles changed dramatically, drastically, in a minute. That doesn't happen to me. I don't go from being terrified of my own shadow. I don't go from um, denying that I even know someone to standing up in front of thousands of people and proclaiming them with no fear at all unless something crazy happens like seeing a dead man walk. I understand how, I understand how unbelievable that sounds. But I think that's the point. I think that's the point of it, that, that it's, it's only by the power of God that something like that could happen. Outside of the miracle of all miracles, that's not possible. And God gives us this, this thing to put our, play, our, our faith in, this linchpin of, of faith that, that requires faith. That can't be explained in any other way. It can't be like, well, I mean, he was like, kind of like sleeping. No, he was tortured and bled out. It's not sleeping. There's no other way to explain it. Either he rose from the grave by the power of God or it's a lie. 
And that's, that's how the linchpin works. We've got two options. Either he was raised from the dead by the power of God, or it's a lie. Depending on which side of this, what side of this linchpin you fall on, you have two options. There's no in between. And for me, when I look at the life, the life of the apostles and the way that, that Peter's boldness just like flares up in this unquenchable kind of way after the, the resurrection, to me, that's all the proof I need. A man who is so terrified of even owning up to knowing Jesus stands up before thousands of people and proclaims him with no fear whatsoever. I think the only way that change happens if you've seen something as crazy as what he saw. He saw the King of kings and Lord of lords rise from the grave and talk with him and open up scripture and explain stuff to him. I mean, just spent time with him, the risen savior of the world. You know, um, I love how Peter repeatedly says, we are witnesses of these things. We've all seen it. We've all seen him. There's a whole bunch of other people, those 500 people, they, they saw him too. So you can't really argue with that. I, I, that's, what it, that's what the point is trying to make. Like, I, I own a red car. My car's red. I bought it. I've seen it. I drove around in it today. I know that it's red. And if one of you comes up to me and argues with me and tells me my car's black, I know my car's red. I'm colorblind and whatever, but it's, I'm not that colorblind. I know that my car is red. You, can't, you, don't get to, you don't get to like have an opinion that my car's not red. It's just red. I've seen it. I, I bought it. It's mine. You don't get to argue with me about that. And so Peter's standing there. He's like, dude, I, I've, I've seen him. He made me breakfast next to a, a lake. We've hung out. So I, I've seen him. All these people have seen him. All those people have seen him. We're telling you the truth. There, he's, there's this boldness and this passion that wasn't there before. When I was a little kid, um, I was really good at lying. If we're going to be honest, I'm just really good at lying in general now, but I'm a Christian, so I try not to. Anyway, I am good at it though. So um, when I was a kid, I lied a lot, made stuff up and like just, it was just fun to punk people. Um, and uh, <laughs> um, you know, I, I would just, sometimes it was just to prank people or, you know, get around something with my parents or get out of trouble or something. But every once in a while I'd get caught. Every once in a while, my parents would, uh, would, would pick up while I was making something up or whatever, and, and they'd call me on it. Has this ever happened to you? Have you been caught in a line, and maybe your parents are like, listen, you can either come clean right here, right now, or it's going to cost you. You ever been in that situation? Your mom's like, dude, I know, I know you're lying to me. You can come clean right now, or it's going to get bad real quick. And they're like, all right, I've got a 69 in math. I'm sorry, <laughs> you know, and it's over then. You've been caught. There's, 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 no, there's no point in making it worse on yourself by perpetuating the lie. You just come clean and you own up to it. Unless it's true. You only stand up for truth. You don't stand up for lies, especially when it's gonna cost you, especially when it's gonna cost you your life. Do you know that all the apostles except one died for their faith? suffer these incredibly horrible deaths. Not on one of them, not on one of them recanted. Not on one of them turned back. Not on one of them said, all right, sorry, sorry, sorry. We made it up. Gosh, we made it up. Fine, whatever. Just chill out. They were crucified upside down. They were beheaded. People don't, people don't do that for a lie. And that's why I trust the apostles, because, man, they, 
They bled and died for this. They never turned back. I mean, that's not, their deaths are not, are not historically debatable either, by the way. You can go read primary document stuff and do your research. That's, that's all historically verifiable. They all died for their faith except John. He was exiled on Patmos. That's all easy. Like, his, like historians of the time wrote about that junk. You can't argue with me about that. That happened. They all bled and died for this truth. And it is just that. So for you guys in the room, man, I'm running out of time. So just really quickly, I, I just want to tell you a couple of things. If we, if, I want to tell you the significance of the resurrection just like for you today, really quickly. So if, if, if 1 Corinthians 15, 14 through 19, if that's, if that's telling you, if our faith is, is saying if the resurrection is not real, then these things happen. So if we flip it, if we reverse 1 Corinthians 15 and we read it, with the pronouns, the, the knots kind of switched around a little bit. It reads differently. So like 14, it says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. So if, if Christ has not been raised, then our faith is in vain. So if we flip that, that means if Christ has been raised, then our faith is not in vain. You get what I'm doing? You get it? You move the knot over and it reverses the meaning of it. So if Christ has been raised, then your faith is not in vain. Students, that's true for you. Your faith is not in vain. You have an incredible hope in this Jesus the Jesus who, who wasn't just a, someone who came and did a bunch of cool tricks, but one who proved that he was more than just a man, but he was the very son of God. You have this incredible hope because Jesus was raised from the dead. You can trust that he's not just a, he wasn't just a person, wasn't just a teacher, wasn't a magician. He was the very son of God. If you go on down in 17, uh, let's flip that one. It says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. But if we flip it, if Christ has been raised, your faith is not futile and you are not still in your sins. The sins of those who rely on him are forgiven. Man, if, if you've trusted in Jesus uh, to forgive your sins for all of eternity, that's a lot of trust you're placing on him. If, if Jesus hadn't have been risen from the grave, um, that would be a lot harder to trust in. You'd be, basically, you'd be basically saying that, that you trust the word of, of someone who claimed that they were going to fulfill a bunch of prophecies and claimed that they were going to raise on the third day and, and didn't. But then it was, he was, it probably has got like a mix-up or something, but it's cool. You're not going to trust that. Jesus isn't trustworthy if he didn't rise from the grave. So for your salvation, he's not trustworthy. But because he did, because he did what only he could do and God, what only God could do, and the power of the Holy Spirit rose from the grave, then you can trust that he's forgiven your sin. I mean, it's been wiped clean. You don't have to worry about it anymore. It's over. And last, really quickly, in 18, it says, then, uh, then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And the opposite of that would be that those who, have, uh, those who have fallen asleep, those who die in Christ, do not perish. That you have an eternal hope and eternal security because of what Christ did on the cross and what he did three days later. The cross apart from the resurrection is not something I would trust. It's not something I place my faith in. It's not a savior I'm willing to follow. But a savior that walks out of a grave after three days and proves that he's the son of God. He's not just a man. That I believe. I believe it on the authority of God's word. I believe it on the, on the life change of the apostles. I believe it with everything that I am. Do you? Students, you have two options here. You have two options on depending on what side of, the, of this linchpin that you fall on. Either believe it or you don't. But if you don't, I would, I would encourage you and challenge you to put in the effort to really, to really investigate 
Um, I rarely come across someone who's really investigated God's word, who's really looked into these things, who doesn't have, who isn't start, at least starting toward a, a faith relationship with God. Man, if you have questions about the resurrection, if you have questions about who Jesus is, um, I'd love to talk after this. All of our adults hang around afterwards to talk with you. Um, come talk to us. We actually believe that this Jesus was the very Son of God, the one who can change your life, the way it changed theirs. I'm going to pray for you. We'll get out of here. Oh, actually, our band's going to come up. I'm going to pray for you, and our band's going to come up. And they're going to lead us in two songs to celebrate the fact that Jesus is risen. So let's, let's pray. Father, um, it's, it's crazy when you start thinking about um, what would have happened if, if Jesus hadn't have come back, what that would have meant for us and, and God, honestly, that just scares me. Thank you for giving us um, such an unbelievable linchpin and making it believable by faith. So if there's students in the room, man, who have a faith relationship with you, God, I pray that um, just, just looking at the life of the apostles would be encouraging to them. That when, when doubt comes and when struggles happen, that they can think back on the life of the apostles and they can feel... Uh, encouraged by the sacrifice that they made because of the resurrection. And for those of us in the room, God, who don't have a relationship with you, um, I pray for them that, that knowing that, um, that men and women who claim to have seen Jesus were willing to die for that truth and not one of them turned back. I pray that you just let that settle in their hearts and change it. We love you so much. Sounds like pray. Amen. Stand with us.